Thank you, uh, readers and lighters. I don't know if you could all see, but every time the word light was read from the Old Testament, New Testament text, one of the candles was lit. And so we have uh, seven candles burning now as we speak of light. What is the light and what does it mean to be the light? There's an outline uh, tucked in your bulletin there, and uh, it's got some fill-in-the-blank um, oriented for the kids to grasp it, but uh, definitely not a childish approach, but hopefully can help all of us connect a little bit with the message that's here. I was especially uh, happy when I saw the lectionary texts for today that, that bring us these texts and kind of are informing what we're preaching, that the Old Testament reading was from Isaiah 58. And here's why I was excited to see Isaiah 58. Some of you know that I've run the Chicago Marathon for the last several years, and I do it mainly uh, not to be crazy, but to raise money for an organization called Rise International. I got connected with Rise through friends of ours uh, who had been missionaries, their family members had been missionaries in Angola, Africa, back in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, but they had to leave when Angola, the country of Angola, was plunged into a civil war that actually ran for 27 years. When that war was over in 2002, my friends went back and found the country uh, devastated in uh, deep poverty and everything in ruins, no infrastructure, no schools, no anything. It was a mess. They wanted to help in so many different ways. They wanted the light of Christ to shine on so many of the hurting people, some that they had known 27 years before they reconnected with. There were so many deep, deep needs, but they knew that they couldn't do everything, so they decided to do one thing, and that one thing was to build schools in rural Angola. Schools were beginning to be built in the cities by different groups, but nothing happening in the rural villages. And so they, um, they be started with one school in 2003, in 2003, and now there are 159 schools. Uh, here's the original school in Chilanda, the first one that was built in 2003. That's me standing in front of it about seven years ago when I had the privilege of going to Angola. And then it changed to this newer design, and here I am at a school uh, in another part of Angola. And the schools are uh, much more sturdy, uh, longer lasting, the ones they're building now. And they're up to school number 159. When the founders came to name their organization, they went to Scripture because it was their faith in God and their love for Jesus that had motivated them. And they came to our text in Isaiah 58, and they found their name in verse 10. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. Here then is part of our answer to the question, what is the light and what does it mean to be the light? The light we experience and the light that we come to know as we do these things, it comes as we do acts of kindness and acts of generosity. Not just being nice people, but generous actions which feed the poor and help those whose lives are difficult, lives who have, that have suffered because of the oppression or the warfare of another kindness and generosity like providing education for children so that they have a hope in this country uh, and a chance at a better life and we as a church have connected with the needs for education last summer we did a huge garage sale and we raised nearly eight thousand dollars and half of it went to the other side of the world to lycee vanette a girls school in the democratic republic of congo where girls are being trained and equipped to get on their feet and make a difference in their country. And the other half stayed right here, actually in one of the best-funded school districts in Illinois, and yet providing for some literacy programs that were not funded through the budget. 
so that children right here in Naperville also, who are at a disadvantage in some areas, have an advantage in terms of learning. Kindness and generosity. You were extremely generous last summer as we pulled off that garage sale. In fact, God says through Isaiah that these acts of kindness and compassion to the poor are part of how we really worship and follow God. This is your worship. This is your, not, don't just go through the motions. Don't just go to church and do churchy things, he says, but live a life that shines for God. Let your worship be filled with these acts of kindness and generosity. And so one of the answers to our question is that the light is the light of kindness and generosity. In Psalm 112 that was read, it says that even in dark and scary times, there is a light that shines for those who are gracious, those who are compassionate, feeling for others, and those who are righteous, trying to make things right in a world where too many things are wrong. Gracious, extending grace, not holding people's issues against them, but doing what's right in the name of God. Compassionate, feeling it from inside and caring for people. And righteous, putting things right. Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate. So there's a light that shines from us as we do these things, and there's a light that shines for us. There's a light that shines on us when we do this. And it all has to do with how we love and care for others as those whom God loves as well. But what about Matthew 5? That's that familiar text that talks about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine. This lamp, the lamp that Jesus talks about and uses an illustration is a simple oil lamp that was common in the ancient world. It was simply a clay pitcher where part of it had been pinched to one place. I think we got it there. There, you can see how one end of it's pinched and then it's filled with olive oil and a wick is laid in there and then we see here it is lit. There, and that's a, the simple kind of light uh, that would be used in, a, in an ancient home. Houses in those days had really just one window, usually a door and one window. The homes were dark inside, so the light was important and to keep it going and to keep it lit because there wasn't the luxury of little clicky lighter things or even matches, but it had to be kept burning for good. And sometimes even a bowl was put over it when they left the house in order to to let the light go down but still stay burning. But when people were in the house, they needed the light, and to maximize that light, it needed to be put up on a stand, not stuck in a corner, but put up on a stand where it would light up the whole house. In the same way, our good needs, good deeds need to be maximized, to shine on and to impact many around us, showing people the love of God and drawing them to Jesus, who is the source of the light. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, And then glorify your Father in heaven. To see the good things that God is motivating you to do for others. That get you out of yourself. And people will glorify God. Meaning people will be drawn to that. Those are are good deeds that are attractive and they're appealing. It's like when we use the word inviting as an adjective saying we're an inviting community. There's something appealing about the kind of community we are because of the things we do for others in need. This last week, Megan and Diana and I and some others were at the Covenant Pastors Midwinter Conference in Louisville. And when Megan and I were there, we saw a a friend of ours, um, uh, Jenny Ray Armstrong, is a pastor up in northern Wisconsin. And um, 
When I saw her, Megan reminded me that Jenny Ray had written a book with the title, Don't Hide Your Light Under a Laundry Basket, and the subtitle is 150 Bright Ideas for Wannabe World Changers. Now, it's a little bit of a cute cover and a cute title, but this book has, goes into some deep places of what, 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 what particularly is focused on, on younger moms, what they can do to live out the mission of God, even in the daily life of doing laundry and raising kids. It's some similar themes to what we read in Helen Lee's book, The Missional Mom. Uh, I've read Helen's book, but I had not read Jenny Ray's book, and I mentioned that to her, which was not a way to try to get a free book, but she gave me a free book anyway, so it was great. Because I looked at it, I thought, you know, that's my text this week. I said, I'm going to go home to Naperville and I'm preaching on that text about don't hide your light under a bowl or a laundry basket. So she gave it to me and I started reading it on the plane on Friday afternoon as I was on my, on my way home. Some of the 150 ways of shining our light in this book, I'm not going to read all of them because I said it was going to be a short message, seriously. But um, uh, she has all, all kinds of things. One of them is simply um, is as simple as smiling and initiating conversation with people at the playground at McDonald's. I just want to read a little bit of it right here. She said, it's amazing what you see in fast food joints once you start paying attention. Cheap fries are a great equalizer. If Jesus were walking the earth today, I bet he'd hang out at Mickey D's instead of some snooty coffee shop. I mean, think about it, she said. This is the way she writes. I've had many holy experiences in God-ordained conversations in the unlikely sanctuary of the Golden Arches. And even when the atmosphere was more, quote, battle of Armageddon than, quote, blessed communion, even bratty screaming kids, sometimes they were mine, and exhausted cranky adults, sometimes it was me, provided an opportunity to practice the fine art of loving my neighbor, of extending grace, and the occasional strawberry milkshake. And she goes on. She shares an example of sponsoring a child, which many of you do through Covenant Kids Congo. We got an update on Covenant Kids Congo, by the way, this week. The goal has been 10,000 sponsorships, and we're there. (laughs) In terms of gifts and kind and money, we're there. And uh, uh, excited about that. And several of you are a part of that. Child sponsorship. Uh, One that caught my eye was one that says, the title was, Eat Like the Rest of the World Once a Week. Eat Like the Rest of the World Once a Week. Just do a simple meal of rice and beans and not as a guilt trip for kids to be grateful for everything that they've got, but a way to teach how the world lives and to be aware of the needs around the world. Jenny Ray presses into some more difficult areas too and one of the 150 ways for world changers was to stop, stop pretending to be colorblind. Stop pretending to be colorblind. She says, it's a nice statement to say we don't notice color, she says, but what we're trying to say when we claim to be colorblind is that we accept Dr. King's mandate to judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, that we are not racist, and that's good and right, but the colorblind argument also, and she's white, by the way, the colorblind argument also dismisses the reality that people do have different experiences based on the color of their skin. These can be good experiences, like cultural traditions, or bad experiences like discrimination, but they're very real and important to recognize. She mentions that she has some biracial cousins, and she says, when I see my cousins, not a group, I don't see a group of big black men, I would claim to be colorblind, but my supposed colorblindness wouldn't change the fact that even in our little town, my cousins avoid stopping to help strangers for fear of frightening them. Ignoring that reality might make me feel better, but it wouldn't help my cousins. In fact, it could be dangerous for them. The world is not colorblind, and pretending that it is only, is only soothes the conscience of the dominant group. 
But if you shouldn't teach your children to ignore race, what should you teach them? Here's some ideas. She says, talk about it. Some people believe that talking about race will make your child notice differences they wouldn't otherwise. That's just not true. As my brother so masterfully demonstrated, kids notice. Yes, talking about race can be awkward, particularly since the Western world has such a shameful history in this area. But climbing up or acting horrified when your kid mentions race will only teach them that there is something very wrong or shameful in talking about it. Don't perpetuate the cycle. She talks about making friends with people of different cultures and ethnicities and talks about being a good example of cultivating an open heart and mind and being willing to learn from people whose experiences and perspectives are different from yours. She says, yes, talking about race can be awkward, but not talking about it can be devastating. Let's embrace God's world and all its beautiful color and diversity and teach our kids to do so as well. So there's just four of the 150. And just from one book, and targeted really mostly just to young moms. So actually, there's probably more than 150 ways for wannabe world changers to make an impact in small ways of engaging in a conversation at McDonald's of all places. Instead of worrying about how bad the food is, how about how needy the people are that are around you? What is the light, and what does it mean then to be the light in each of these areas? Well, ultimately, based on the subtitle of this book, it's about changing the world. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm sending you out there to be salt, to bring flavor to the world. I'm sending out there to be light, not just be nice people. But in these kind and caring acts, you can make a difference in the way the world works. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. But what does he say about himself in the Gospel of John? I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then here he says, you are the light of the world. Jesus says we're just like him. We are just like him, not just being nice, caring people, but pointing other people to God. Jesus came to point people to the Father. And Jesus invites us to be like him, to shine like him, to act like him, to love like him. And in doing that, to draw others to him. We're called to be like Jesus and draw people to Jesus. It's simply what it means to be the light, to be the light. Let's keep our minds open to the ways in which we can be a part then of what God is doing as we are the light in the world.